Let's pray. Lord God, we come before you and we thank you for your word. Once again, we get to dig into it and, and see how it affects us. Lord, I pray that your, our, our walk with you would affect us, would change us, would make us more like Christ. Pray, Lord, that you would cause these things to be a goal for us, the goal for us. Praise you for your son. Praise you for the cross and the resurrection. We praise you for these things in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. All right. When you think about a competitive athlete, what do you think about? What's, what's the picture that you get in your head? Do you imagine somebody who, who runs the race, and as they're running the race, they're looking at the crowd? They look up at the jumbotron, they go, that's me. They look at the cameras, there you are. All right, thank you very much. Right? They're, they're staring at the sponsored ads and thinking about all the money they're going to get. Do you get a picture of somebody who starts the race, that gun goes off, and they start the race, and, and then halfway through, they, they come to a, 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 a stop, and they, they just kind of wander off to the side because they saw a bench, and they sit down. Don't worry, I'll get back to it. You guys keep going. Or perhaps it's somebody who, the, the, this, this is who you really think of, isn't it? They, they train for a few days. They wake up one morning, they decide, I'm going to run. They train for a few days, they think, I've got this running thing down, I can put one foot in front of the next, and they sign up for the Olympics. Think they're going to make it very far? They're good enough. Do you imagine somebody like that? Or do you imagine somebody who will keep their focus? They keep their eyes straight ahead on the goal that they want to reach. Somebody who will keep going with their fullest effort all the way until the race is over. Somebody who will, if they want to stay competitive... They'll keep training. They'll, they'll keep growing in, their, in whatever skill it is they do, running or, or whatever event it might be. They, they want to grow in that. They don't want to come in second. They want to come in first, right? In our passage today, Paul draws this picture for us, a, of, a picture of an athlete running a race. Are you ready to run your race? Go ahead and open up your Bibles to Philippians chapter 3. Sounds like everybody's there already, so let's go ahead and start at verse 12, 12 to 16. Philippians 3, 12 to 16, let's stand up for the reading of God's word. It says, not that I have already obtained this, or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus had made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Reading of God's Word. Go ahead and be seated. Thank you. In verse 12 there, Paul says, Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me 
his own. I, I press on to make it, and, and the object of, of this it that they've conveniently put in the text here for you is Christ. He says, I press on to make Christ my own, because he has made me his own. And there, there's a, a root word being repeated here, and it's, it's that word that's translated to make one's own. To, to obtain, to grasp, to lay hold of, depending upon the translation that you, you prefer. It's been translated in all these different ways. My favorite is to apprehend. To apprehend. I, I like that word because it has both a physical and an intellectual meaning to it. To, to apprehend something is to understand it intellectually. You say something to me, and I say, I apprehend that. I, I understand what you are saying. To apprehend something is to physically grab a hold of something. If I apprehend a criminal, I grab hold of them, and I cuff them, and I put them in the car, right? They are apprehended physically. I, I like this word in, in this passage because it beautifully defines what Paul just described a few verses earlier, and we looked at a, a few weeks back. Verses 8 through 11, he says, Indeed, I count everything as a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I might gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes through the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Physically, intellectually, he wants to apprehend Christ in every way. He wants to know him. He wants to be found in him. He wants to have Christ's righteousness. He wants to share in his resurrection and even in his sufferings. Physically, intellectually, Paul seeks a complete understanding of Jesus Christ. A complete transformation of his own person to be like the person of Christ. In thought and in form. Intellectually and physically. This is the goal. To apprehend Christ. This is the goal. Not, not because Paul believes that he can achieve this goal through his own doing, or, or through some sort of works righteousness. He's already said a couple different times in this book, if you look at Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, what does he say there? He says, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Who is it that began the work in us? God, Jesus, right? Who will bring it to completion? God. In, in chapter 2, verse 13, or verse 12, yeah, chapter 2, verse 13, he says, ah, 12 and 13, Therefore, beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Why? For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. 
We work out our faith because it is God at work in us. It isn't us winning our salvation. It is God at work in us. And here in our passage today, he presses on, Paul presses on because Christ has already made Paul his own. Christ has apprehended Paul. Therefore, Paul desires for it to be his goal to apprehend Christ. On that road to Damascus, it's where Christ apprehended him, isn't it? Jesus made Paul an instrument in his hand at that point. Acts chapter 9, verses 15 to 16, it says, The Lord said to Ananias, Go, for Paul is a chosen instrument of mine. A chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how much he must suffer for, my, for the sake of my name. Paul understood that Jesus knew him through and through completely. All of his sin, all of the murder, all of the separation of families, Children from their mothers, persecution of the body of Christ. God, Jesus, knew all this about Paul. He knows everything, past, present, and future, that you will ever have done and never will do against him. And he still chose Paul. He was apprehended by Christ, known and chosen. The idea that this perfect, holy God of all creation made him his own, in spite of all of his imperfection, seems to have struck Paul so deeply that the very thought of it cast aside anything that could be a distraction for him. It gave him the strength to keep going and caused him to continue in that sanctification process the the idea that that god would choose him that god would apprehend him made paul keep focused keep going and keep growing has christ made you his own have you had your eyes and heart opened to the truth of jesus christ who he is his person and his, his works that and that gospel message Has your eyes been opened by the Spirit of God that you've accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? His sacrifice in your place, in my place, for the forgiveness of our sins, for our salvation. Do we remember that he did this for us even while we still were his enemies, even while we still were steeped in our sin and transgression against him, even while we would have been shaking our fist at him, spitting in his face, and mocking him with everybody else, even while we picked up those nails and drove them through his hands and feet with our own hammer. Do we remember that he did this for us when we were still at that point? That he loved us well before we chose him. And what does that bring up in our hearts? Does that day, that point of our salvation, does that work up in our hearts a a nonchalance? That's great. I'm glad I have my fire insurance in my pocket. I'm good. 
Or does it, does it work up an unsurpassable gratefulness? A thankfulness and, and a joy, a joy unspeakable, right? That causes us to desire to know him more. In verse 13, Paul says, Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Paul says, brothers, this is how I think about it. This is how I consider the situation that I am in since the day of my salvation. I have not reached the end of my race yet. And to reach the end of my race, I have got to stay focused. Forgetting what lies behind, straining forward to what lies ahead, I keep my eyes on what is important. Not allowing myself to be distracted by the jumbotron or, or the things of this world or the, or the crowd cheering or whatever glory I might get for things like that. In the Olympics, there, there is an amount of glory to be had simply by being there, isn't it? Simply by being an Olympic athlete, you walk out on the field and everybody loves you. You're on camera, the lights, the crowd. It would be really easy to get caught up in those things, wouldn't it? His Hebrew heritage, his Pharisaical roots, his righteousness according to the law, any earthly glory that Paul might have had. He could have easily been caught up in those things. But Paul knew that there was a greater glory to be had in Jesus Christ, a greater glory in actually focusing on and finishing the race that had been set before him. So he kept his eyes on the goal. He kept his eyes on Christ. There are so many things in this world to be distracted by, aren't there? Pride. Pride and glory in the earthly achievements and successes that we might have. The job we have, the business we have, the family we have. We can get distracted by pleasures, can't we? Hobbies, vacations. The world offers so many ways to be distracted, doesn't it? Ways to take us away from our walk with Christ. Or, or maybe you're the kind of person who gets not distracted by pride and, and, and pleasures, but you get distracted more often through the negative. As the enemy loves to bring up your failures, and all you wake up in the morning and think about is what isn't. And he brings up your shortcomings to discourage you. Do you have a pen and paper? Okay, ready? I want you to do something for me. I want you to make a list. Your two greatest. Okay, your two greatest. I want you to list your two greatest achievements. The two greatest things you have done. Accomplished. I want you to list your two greatest pleasures. After you've got your two greatest pleasures down there, I want you to list your two greatest failures. And then you can finish it off with your two greatest shortcomings, ways in which you think you are not good enough. Your two greatest achievements, your two greatest pleasures, your two greatest failures, 
and your two greatest shortcomings. Are you ready? Take that list, crumple it up, and throw it away. Because your achievements, your pleasures, your failures, and your shortcomings are not the goal. The goal is not to focus on your greatest earthly achievements. The goal is not to focus on on your greatest earthly failures. Apprehending Christ is the goal. That's where we need to have our eyes. The race isn't over when you've reached your greatest shortcoming. The race is over when we've apprehended Christ when we've been transformed to be like him, to know him as we are known. That's the goal. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 2, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, we are neither the, the, the founder nor the perfecter of our faith, are we? Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. That is where our goal lies. Are you still running? Verse 14. Paul says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I brought up earlier that athlete who stopped in the middle of the race and, and walked off to the side. What, what kind of an athlete would do that? Who, who would think, I've run well enough halfway through, and so now I'll just go off to the side and, and take a little break, right? And Paul here is is combating a a bit of Christian libertarianism. I'm already made perfect in Christ, therefore I can do what I want. Why run so hard when Christ has set me free? Paul says, no, I press on and, and Paul keeps going. I really like how the ESV translates the Greek in this passage here. Other translations actually use the word win, as they imply the idea of winning something here, as if we can attain by our own works some kind of uh, our upward call in God by Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus, or, or that this is some kind of a competition. You are pitted against the person next to you, and you have to win it. The idea here is more like what the ESV says, to press on toward a goal, a prize of the upward call. Of God in Christ Jesus. The race is not between us. It's simply a matter of finishing, pressing on in our walk with Christ out of a love for Christ as we understand his deep, rich love for us. Uh, the goal of pressing on to be with Christ, a, a goal which Jesus has already secured for us, hasn't he? In his death on the cross, in his resurrection, and the hope that we have in that, we cannot secure a better salvation for ourselves than what he has already secured, can we? He has already sealed us with his spirit. 
The prize is there waiting for us. We just need to keep our eyes on it, keep focused, and keep going. If you have a limp, press on. Christ and his righteousness, his his resurrection lie ahead and they wait for you. If you are thirsty, press on. Jesus is patient. He'll be there. He does not sleep. He does not slumber. If life isn't what you always thought it should be or isn't amounting to, to what you thought it was supposed to be at this point in your life, press on because while we are made perfect in the eyes of God through the sacrifice of Christ, at that cross once for all, we are still in a fallen world, we are still in fleshy bodies, and we continue in that sanctification process, don't we? We need to keep going. We need to press on. We need to continue to mature in our walk with Christ. Verse 15. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. A a good athlete, a competitive one, will never think, I'm finished training I think I can lay off now for six months until the Olympics are here. A mature person, the more mature we get, the older we get, the more we realize that that we aren't finished yet, are we? We realize just how far from maturity we really are, the more mature we get. Isn't that true? We need to never stop training in our Christian race. So how do we keep training? I'm going to say it again. Keep in God's word and keep in fellowship with other believers. The two are not separable. We need both. We need the word and we need the fellowship with brothers and sisters in Christ who know him by his word. Ephesians chapter 4. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. We are to build one another up through our knowledge and maturity in God's word, the gifts that God has given us to build one another up to maturity in Christ. We are here as a family to encourage and support one another and to grow one another in our walk. That that Hebrews passage that that I went through a little while ago, verses 1 and 2, that says we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. And because of that, we should press on. Oftentimes, I've heard this preached before as as, uh, we've got this great cloud of judges and they're looking and you better make sure you keep running because they're watching. And that's not really the picture that's being painted there. 
Imagine it like the Olympics or, or a great race you're about to run, and you've got the crowd all around you, and they've been in the race. And they're watching you, and they know the hardest part of the race, so they gather right at that point of the track, and they are cheering you on. They want you to finish. They want you to succeed. They have been there. They have died for that. We're surrounded by a family here and a great cloud of witnesses that is waiting for us. God has given us one another that we would would build each other up and encourage one another in Christ. And we can grow more deeply in our walk if we remember that we don't compete against one another. We don't compare against each other. Oh, well, at least I'm better than that half the room, right? This half? We aren't competing. We aren't alone. You shouldn't be alone. You've got each other. There are those with us and there are those who have gone before us from whom we can glean wisdom as we read their stories of faith through the pages of Scripture, as we talk to each other about our testimonies, what God has done in our lives. John Bloom wrote an article and he said, you are running a unique race, but not an unprecedented race. No one has experienced exactly what you have, but many have experienced the same emotions, temptations, and various other challenges common to man. That's why the Bible includes a great cloud of examples of faithful race running. If you want to run well, study other runners. Hebrews 11 provides a great helpful starter list, but is by no means exhaustive. Study the great faith runners. Examine all aspects of their courses. God did far more abundantly than all they asked or thought. We all need to continue to grow through his word and through the fellowship with other believers. Not because it wins us our salvation, but because it is a right response to the salvation that we have in Christ. Verse 16, he says, Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Only let us live it. What we know about Christ, what we know from God's word, only let us live it. With our eyes on Christ, our goal to apprehend him, to know him and to be made like him, understanding that this is all his work in us. Let us live out our faith for others to see. If you're thinking that you are not good enough, Remember that your race is not done. Christ is good enough. You are perfect and still being sanctified. If you're growing weary because it's been a long race, remember that the goal is in sight. Don't let yourself be distracted by your achievements or your failures, but keep running. Keep your eyes on the goal. Keep focused, keep going, and keep growing. Embrace your race for the gospel call to the goal of apprehending Christ. Let's pray. Lord God, we praise you for your patience with us. We praise you that you understand completely where we are and what we are in our flesh 
Lord, you lived it perfectly, and you you are seated at the right hand of the throne of God, and, and you are interceding for us out of your vast love for us. Give us the strength by your Spirit to keep our eyes where they need to be, on you. Give us the strength to keep going one step, one foot in front of the next, keeping our eyes on you. Lord God, give us the wisdom to see where we need to keep growing. Uh, The areas in our lives that need to change become more Christ-like, Christ-oriented. Lord, we pray that you would transform our minds, our thinking, our way of thought, that we would think more like you. And we praise you, Lord, that you don't take away our, our individuality, our personhood, but you want us to think more like you. And I pray, Lord, that we would be just that, a group, a mixed bag of a church family who thinks like our Savior whose goal it is to love like our Savior. Make us more like you, we pray. In Jesus Christ's name, amen.